Hello and welcome. I'm Pastor Vince, and this is Applying the Word, a Bible teaching podcast to encourage you in your walk with the Lord. This is episode 7, titled Discipleship and Communion. The Great Commission is found in Matthew 28, 19, and 20. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus' final instruction to his followers was, Go and make disciples. Jesus made disciples, the disciples made disciples, and their disciples made disciples. Jesus' method of making disciples was focused more on relationships and action. But in an age where church no longer seems relevant to many people, many are losing sight of Jesus' call. On top of this, many of those who make it to Sunday service are biblically illiterate, lack commitment to evangelism and mission, and sadly have a shallow faith. It's important as followers of Christ to understand what discipleship is and what discipleship is not so we are able to fulfill the Great Commission. By definition, a Christian disciple is a person who accepts and assists in the spreading of the good news of Jesus Christ. Christian discipleship is the process by which disciples grow in Jesus Christ and are equipped by the Holy Spirit who resides in our hearts to overcome the pressures and trials of this present life and become more Christ-like. Discipleship is not knowing more information about Jesus, but knowing Jesus and being transformed into his image through the constant exposure of the gospel of grace. Discipleship calls us to live by faith in him in the everydayness, if that's a word, of life by the Holy Spirit's power. Before calling potential disciples into development, Jesus interacted with them in a variety of settings and situations. He didn't provide a syllabus, a PowerPoint guide, or a template to follow. Jesus taught his disciples along the way and gave them a mission to complete. He challenged the disciples to embrace a life fulfilling God's call. Discipleship naturally happens simply from a group of people hanging out and growing together. And don't think discipleship happened overnight. Jesus spent three years developing 12 men 24 hours out of the day seven days out of the week, 365 days out of the year. In this process, Jesus treated each disciple as an individual. He confronted Peter. He loved John. He challenged Thomas. In John 21, Jesus told Peter that everyone has their own individualized path to discipleship. We do too. To understand what discipleship is on a deeper level, it's important that we understand what discipleship is not. It's not a small care group of men and women who will cry on each other's shoulder because of trials and struggles. While this is a part of it, it is not the main goal of discipleship. It's also not about the numbers. Whether you have three or 20 in a discipleship group, what matters most is the quality of the relationships you build with one another and the quality of the relationship each person has with God. Grace-based discipleship frees us up to engage in meaningful and authentic relationships. When two or three or four broken people come together 
having nothing to hide, no one to impress, no mask that they are trying to put on, it becomes so much easier to engage in honest relationships. And honest relationships are at the center of effective discipleship. The New Testament paints a strikingly simple portrait of discipleship. Jesus called people to follow him. After Jesus' death, resurrection, and ascension, these people devoted themselves to fellowship, breaking bread, and prayer. They responded to Jesus' call by calling others to follow Jesus and join their community. As the church grew, it reproduced into small gatherings where believers continue to make disciples who make disciples. This model is also one that we can apply to our lives as we return discipleship to the front lines of our faith. Another important thing to understand about discipleship is that it is not forced. That being said, the purpose of church attendance is not to warm the pew year after year, hearing and never doing. James 1.22 There is one more part of discipleship, and that is the teaching and partaking of Holy Communion. According to the Bible, Christians partake of Holy Communion in remembrance of the body and blood of Jesus that was broken and poured out at the cross. Matthew 26, 26 to 28, tells us that while they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to the disciples, saying, Take and eat, this is my body. Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Taking Holy Communion does not only remind us of his suffering, but it also shows us the amount of love Jesus had for us. However, to be able to share the blood and body of Jesus Christ, you must be born again, and you must have gone through a self-examination, confession, and repentance. You must not partake in an unworthy manner, as Paul warns in 1 Corinthians 11:27 to 31 Jesus sacrificed his life for us so we could have eternal life. Therefore, as Christians take Holy Communion, they proclaim the eternal life in heaven that Jesus Christ prepared for us to enjoy in the life after through his death and resurrection. Believers also celebrate as they're reminded that his resurrection led us in triumphant life and glory, as well as the depth to which Jesus descended on earth to suffer as a sinner for our sins. The Holy Communion also reminds us of the width of his arms spread on the cross to bring all humankind into his embrace. As we partake, we joyfully can proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. In John 6, 53-54, Jesus tells us that unless we eat his body and drink his blood, we have no life. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. He adds in John 6, 54 through 56, that his body is food and his blood a drink. Whoever ate his body and drank his blood abides in him, and he will do so with us too. 
Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. By receiving the spiritual flesh and blood, Christ lives in us and us in him. Scriptures teach us that through Holy Communion, we also connect with Jesus Christ, not only in the memory of his death, but in the spiritual life he gives to us. The Bible also teaches us that in the experience of taking the Holy Communion, Christ is present to meet and strengthen his people. I want to encourage you to set aside some time where you won't be disturbed and prayerfully and honestly examine yourself before the Lord. Then confess and from the heart begin to repent of anything that was revealed to you through your self-examination before the Lord. End your prayer with a new commitment to serve Him. He will enable you and the Holy Spirit will remind you of what is right in the sight of the Lord, as well as what is not. May you always feel the presence of the Holy Spirit in what you think and say and in all you do, and may your walk reflect your love for Christ and your desire to apply His Word.